0: Welcome to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your co-host Morgan Wack, and I'm here with the commiserating Eddie Matthews. How you doing, Eddie? Um, I would say
1: devastated, but that's not accurate. You know, I think that um, I am still reflecting on the USA's World Cup performance and trying to figure out what our ceiling is you know w- where our ceiling was rather for this team this 2022 World Cup team, which is what we're going to talk about today on the pod uh I was I was gonna clarify this with you beforehand' but just clarify it here I'm I mean maybe we can talk about some other teams and games a little bit ancillarily but uh, as far as our world cup discussion, I think it's going to be predominantly usa oriented from my side just because those are the games i've watched you know
0: that's fair enough uh i think i've watched every game except for maybe like one or two uh some of oh, the early wow. morning two o'clock ones I, I missed i watched some of the highlights you, watch, you the missed ones. the 2 a.m ones i missed the 2 a.m ones uh mostly because I, I think they did a good job putting games at those times that weren't like super enticing and then they moved the cool. last round of games up which was nice um But yeah, I've seen most of the games. Um, It's been a really exciting World Cup, actually. So we're we're recording this at a a kind of a down moment after the U.S. is eliminated. But overall, there have been a lot of good upsets, a lot of really good games. Not a single team won all three group stage games, I think, for the first time ever. It was a signal of parity throughout the the contest. A couple African teams through, which is always great to see. The Asian teams have been faring super well, I think. The kind of collapse of European supremacy, at least in the first round, was was uh, exciting. But anyway, we can get back to the U.S. But that's sort of my overall thoughts on the the group stages. No, let's let's keep uh,
1: with this kind of overview of the World Cup for for starters. Uh, Germany ousted in group play. That's kind of fun to see.
0: Yeah, it's the second second uh, World Cup in a row. So, uh, I think so, gonna be, you'll see some changes on the Germans, sort of a shit changing of the guard. Um, the last kind of vestiges of their world cup team are going to be out to the the wayside. Honestly, they didn't even play that poorly. They actually played really well against Spain. They just didn't set up well and are kind of lacking in the final third, just like the U S today. Um, but you know, that's how it well, goes. You have a couple of bad games in the world cup in that case, one bad game against Japan and, uh,
1: yeah, We're well, not, they shot so. the bad
0: uh, against Japan. Oh, g- credit to Japan beating Spain and Germany. I mean, Japan is really underrated. They have one of the older teams, lots of experience. They kicked the U.S.'s ass in the build-up to the World Cup and looked yeah. really, really good. And so, I think a lot of people kind of discounted them as a as a world power. But they're actually, they, I mean, they deserved. They deserved at least the Germany win. They that was fully deserved, and the. Yeah, no, they're, they're, I, I wouldn't want to play them in the next round.
1: No, totally. I'm stoked that they made it through. They played well and fought back and totally deserve it. However, was that second goal not past the line against Germany? Like, if I was a German fan, I'd be furious. It wasn't out. It wasn't out. I don't know. I, don't... I know they have a lot of technology, so I'm sure that's correct. I would just say from seeing the footage, If I were a German fan, I would be livid.
0: (laughs) Well, the rule is basically the entire ball has to be past the line, not that it has to be off the line. So you can technically – the ball could be on the grass outside of the line and it would still be in play, which is exactly what happened. It's about the closest I've ever seen, but it was in play. Okay. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, they determined it. So basically what we're talking about is that – I don't know, there was a pass – that went what seemed to be entirely over the line but upon review was deemed to be maybe maybe a blade of grass was like still touching the ball or something
0: well that's the thing is it uh, doesn't have to touch the ball i think that's where people get confused is that even if the ball itself is not touching the line if like if you're looking down like a crow straight above if any part of the ball is over the line not necessarily touching it it's still in bounds so that's the rule. It's not that even if like the, uh, the the ball itself is out of bounds, as long as any part of it remains mm-hmm. in the field of play from kind of like a plain XY plane perspective, it's in play. Interesting. Yeah.
1: So, and then the Japanese player, uh, what, just saved it and kicked it back? And then uh, I Yeah, kicked it back in, yeah. It.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was the type of play where you write that they almost, it technically was in bounds. But it almost certainly would have been called out just because it looks out of bounds. So if you didn't have the technology, it would have been called out, but it was in bounds. So, I mean, un- yeah. unlucky, but they didn't, it's not like Germany, um, like really deserved or got screwed otherwise. So I'd say it's uh, unfortunate that, you know, that's, that's the fun of the world cup is a couple of bounces, like literally a couple inches go your way and uh, you yeah. can win the game, which is why the, the U.S. I mean, we can get into the U S now, I've seen a lot of like online, I've, I've tried to stay away from it a bit, but I see a lot of like, oh, what a you know plucky bunch, like they did well and they represented us well and we'll get them next time when it's in the US. And I think that's sort of what you were alluding to when you were talking about expectations in the World Cup this time around. So I don't know how, what's your feeling um, on like, whether we overachieved or underachieved now that we're out of the World Cup?
1: I think we underachieved.
0: But I don't think that we were going to
1: beat that Netherlands team. Does that make sense? I think both of those can. I know that sounds like a paradox because to achieve, I think, what this team was capable of, then it kind of. One of the conclusions would be that it would require us to win this game against Netherlands. So we were completely outmatched today and they. Uh, And, you know, we can talk about what that is, but um, I think this was a quarterfinals capable team, but we did not have a quarterfinals capable coach. But the talent was there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I I would say we, we achieved. I wouldn't say we underachieved. I mean, you make it out of the group. It was a tough group. We played well against England. I think teams will come away from the World Cup thinking a bit higher of the U.S. than they maybe did before. Um, but I think we're at the stage, I mean, this is, we've been to the land of 16 and been knocked out the last three times we've been to the world cup at this stage with the level of talent, the U S has and the depth that we have, which is, you know, far beyond the past three teams that we've made it with. I think we're at the stage where we can't just be like, Oh, but you know, for the U S this is pretty good anymore. I don't think, I think the U S has moved beyond that. And I think like other countries that, want their teams to win and the expectation is to go as far as possible, you can be disappointed in this and think, well, this, this maybe was, you know, the odds on, but it wasn't like we performed well enough to really put ourselves in the position to win. And I'm with you. I actually thought the coaching was the the setup and the adjustments were so bad. And I've seen a lot of people making excuses saying, Oh, you know, you're playing on the coach, blah, 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 blah. We could finish here and there, but I just don't understand the strategy at all, honestly. Um, and we have gaping, like, there are a few holes. Like, we obviously need a striker. We should be searching around the world for anybody who has, like, a distant American relative and plays forward <laughs> at any, <laughs> any level of soccer for the next four years. Um, and our defense, the thing is, our defense is also very slow. And so we pushed up and pressed and left huge holes in, our, in between our, our center midfields and our defense. And even uh, the coach of, of the other team, Van Gaal, Said after the game that, that he was like disappointed in the U.S. lack of adjustments. He like expected a more strategic battle, and just <laughs> the U.S. just capitulated, which is never good. So, um, well, yeah.
1: let's let's back up a second here. The U.S. played three games in the group play. You know, for those who uh, aren't soccer experts like me, you know, might need a refresher of uh, where we are. Exactly. Where we've been. Exactly. So uh, we played three games in the group stage, uh, and then you score, you know, one point for a draw, three points for a win, and then you don't get any points for a loss. So we drew Wales in our first game. We, we scored in the first half in a beautiful assist from Pulisic, who's kind of uh, arguably our best player. Is that, or is that even arguable? He just, he's our most dangerous are... player,
0: yeah. Okay. Uh, he's uh, attacking mid. Is that accurate? He's, he's been playing, like, outside winger, but, yeah, attacking. attacking I mean, he essentially is, like, our main attacking force on the wing because we don't really have a strike. So.
1: Right. And so he, uh, yeah, made a beautiful pass to Tim Wea, who just uh, put it on the outside of his right foot in that, I don't know, what, 30, 30-ish minute uh, against Wales in that first half. And we were just riding on a high, you know. That was great. You and I were watching this game in person in San Diego, and it was just a great feeling. All things. And then second half, um, Wales, you know, we kind of uh, shot ourselves in the foot with um, Walker Zimmerman fouling Gareth Bale, who at one time was one of the best players in the world. He is far beyond his prime now, but is still dangerous when you give him a penalty kick situation. And he put it in the goal, and then so we drew against Wales. And I feel like that second half, um, I don't know. We definitely lacked a lot of the energy and the, and the panache we had in that first half. Is that
0: fair to say? Yeah, I think Wales deserved a tie from that game based on their second half performance. I know people will say uh, it's unlucky that penalty. I mean, it was a stone-cold penalty, and also they had other chances as well. So it's not like they, they got lucky.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, next game, we play England. Uh, real hold our, hold our own. It's a nil-nil draw. Um, do you feel like England was unconcerned about getting a win out of that game? Were they holding back their energy in their, in their punches for future rounds, knowing that they didn't need the win? Or do you think that we we earned that nil-nil draw?
0: I mean, they pressed a bit, and then, I mean, they didn't need a win, so they they were content to, to tie after they realized that we weren't just going to fall apart. So I think it was it was our, probably our best performance of the tournament. Um, but still, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to, to push forward and, and go for the win there strategically because the tie didn't actually really do much for us. But that's just, you know, another
1: kind of annoying yeah.
0: coaching decision. But, yeah, I, thought, um, I think that's the game When people look forward to 2026 – people will look back at that game and be like, okay, well, they matched up with with England, who I think could go pretty far in this tournament. Um, And that'll be a a good resume builder, but still only a tie. So, yeah, that was the best of the three, I think. And in that game, we had – I
1: don't have the specific number in front of me, but I believe it was uh, 4,500 crosses
0: corners rather uh, yeah that sounds about right uh it was between but i think 4500 i think the u.s has like the second or third most <laughs> amount of crosses in the whole tournament even before the game today which is again really dumb because we're not tall and we don't have good finishes up so you just shouldn't be doing that it doesn't make a lot of sense this is bad strategy Cro- like if, every, if you think like crosses Every fifth cross is a goal. That's just not how it works. Like, unless you have people up front who are good at heading it and getting in those positions, it's, like, you could cross it as many times as you want. You're not going to score. And we kind of showed that in this tournament. Yeah. Bar so one for, freak goal today.
1: Yeah. For our, um, our casual soccer fans out there, I am one of you. I show up for the World Cup, and I'm stoked, and then I go away for four years. <laughs> so... That's pretty much... Um, no way, I'm going to get so, you into
0: it. By, by the time the next World Cup comes around, you're going to be like, yeah, the Carling Cup semifinal between Ipswich and uh, Southampton this year was crazy. So, don't I'm worry. I'm going to be following
1: Leipzig in the Austrian League very closely by that point. And Bro, Leipzig, I
0: hate to tell you this, but Leipzig is a city in Germany, but your point.
1: Leipzig. No, 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 no. <laughs> so... Um, Yeah, so for me, when I'm watching the England game, I'm like, this is awesome. Look at how many corners we're getting. This is great, all these chances, you know? Yeah, you were texting me that
0: today. But, uh, yeah. yeah. And then they scored. uh, The other team, after that, scored on a break from a corner, too, uh, to point out. so we real (laughs) double bummer. I think I texted
1: you, corner. I don't know. I was looking for (laughs) any sort of light, you know, because we were were down 2-1, and I was like, oh, man, maybe there's something. Come to find out, the average height of the USA team is about five foot two, and the average height of the Netherlands team is about six foot nine. It's <laughs> actually, did it you corners. know Danny,
0: De, Danny DeVito actually got cut for being too tall? <laughs> he was actually <laughs> going to be too four. tall yeah, for yeah. a USA
1: team. Um, so, anyways, those corners, needless to say, did not pan out against England. We take the nil nil no draw. We're content with that. I do think that that. corners
0: are the one thing, like, people think, I think because there's not really an equivalent in U.S. sports, where it's like, oh, you get a free shot or, like, it's more like a side out in basketball. Like, it doesn't actually, like, unless you have the players set up to win corners, they're not as... Likely to be converted, as I think the average soccer fan believes. I think mean, there was. I, I think I texted you this that like a couple of years ago in the Premier League, there was actually more goals scored by the defense on corners than the offense for the entire season. Interesting, because they, it just basically pulls you well, out of yeah. your shape. Yeah, so it, like you push forward, and especially for a team like the US that's really small, you're basically not going to win unless you have some sort of crazy player get lucky. I mean, they have Virgil Van Dijk on the Netherlands, who is a corner stopping machine um he's like twice as tall he's like three pullistics in a trench coat um and (laughs) you basically you're just leaving it open for like three really fast players to run it where your defense is gone now and so it's yeah it's not necessarily as as great as it, it might seem he plays for liverpool yeah he plays for liverpool he's really really good that bastard yeah i know um
1: so um well, uh, one last point on the corners. If you're a strategically adept coach and you're looking at your team, and the average height is a five foot two, five foot three, and you're going against a uh, team Netherlands with an average height of six foot eight, six foot nine, wouldn't you? Be like, all right, let's get more creative. Let's, like, try things. Let's not just try to send into the box every time. Let's, like, bring one out and then dribble it in and then take a shot and then maybe get something on a rebound. Let's mix it up and have Pulisic in the box and have someone else take the corner, Brennan Aaronson or something. You know, like, wouldn't you just try different things to get, I don't know,
0: the unexpected goal, you know? I'm all for trying other things. I think Pulisic is not an exceptionally great striker of – corner kicks or free kicks in general um but i, I also think that the, the i don't blame i mean corner kicks and free kicks you kind of take your chances to see if you can hit in the box hard and, and make something happen what are you going to do it's just not our strength i'm more concerned that we were doing that from the run of play like that was our plan like we would get it to get it wide and then try to cross it in as if we were trying to use headers and like strikes like that as our primary strategy for creating goals, which like you said, if your team is made up of below average height soccer players, that's not a very good strategy. Uh, and so it's, it's one thing is you, you kind of forced into it if you get fouled or you have a corner kick, but if you're strategizing around that, especially when a team is sitting back, doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. Um, well, we'll get to the in a bit. Our third game of group stage was Iran- we it was a must-win game. We went in with two points from the two draws. Uh, Iran went in with a no. They went win in over with three. Wales.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's they why we couldn't tie. That's why the tie against England, like a moral victory as it was, didn't actually do anything for us because we still needed to beat Iran. Rather, we pushed forward and tried to beat England and lost. Then drawing it didn't it didn't make i mean it all all all's well that as well we made it through but it didn't really make a lot of sense in the moment
1: right because uh the Wales iran game occurred before the usa england game so we had that result you know already yeah yeah Yeah. which i will say so
0: i know that last podcast we did about the world cup we said we should keep kind of centering some of the human rights stuff and i actually have been really heartened by the lack of sole focus on football, I think that with the Russia World Cup, we did see some pushback prior to the World Cup, but during the World Cup, everyone just talked about the football. This time around, I think it's been pretty sustained. I think even up to now, when we're getting into the kind of really exciting knockout games, the focus on human rights and like the atrocity of the World Cup being held in Qatar has not gone away. And I, I'm just bringing this up in this portion of the conversation because I wanted to give mad props to the Iranian team specifically for like pretty much being the bravest country and the bravest players I've seen by not singing the national anthem and kind of standing with the protesters in the beginning. By far the most like risky of the protests we've seen, far riskier than saying you're going to wear an armband and then not wearing an armband or covering your mouth at some point in time or just kind of vaguely – uh gesturing towards human rights. So just wanted to to give that shout out there. I, I think it was unfortunate that pretty much all the teams that I mean I didn't want I would have liked in some other world for both Iran, Wales, and the US to go through, but the, you know, they're all from the same group. So it makes it tough. And England is very, very good. So uh just some props to them there. I thought the US I mean we can talk about the actual game now, but the US played really well in the first half and then really got lucky not to tie that game at the end. Yeah,
1: well, I um, another note kind of on the Iran protest, I completely agree in the sense that um, when you have these European countries uh, threatening to wear a kind of one love rainbow armband (laughs) as a protest against the Qatari regime and their like horrific mistreatment of LGBT people in qatar and just visitors really well i guess you can't really say visitors because we don't have any documented cases of uh, them harassing well they are harassing tourists in, ter- in terms of like i guess they're confiscating all rainbow colored like everything <laughs> that fans are trying to bring in but anyways the these um threading threatening to wear a a one-love rainbow-colored armband as a way of, you know, supporting the gay community in Qatar uh, because, you know, it's essentially illegal to be gay in Qatar. Um, And that's the extent of your protests. But then even uh, capitulating to the regime when they threaten to give you a yellow card if you wear (laughs) the armband, it's just so... Cowardly and uh, just uh, really disappointing <laughs> to uh, just buckle at the threat of getting a yellow card, and uh, for such a meaningless gesture. Anyway, you know.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. I'm I'm with you. So I wanted to, yeah, highlight the the good there, and hopefully we can. Then why did you say it was so brave? All those European countries were
1: threatening <laughs> to wear. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but the, yeah, the Iranian players to not sing the national anthem, you know, knowing obviously that before the game, every single player is on camera, you know, there's, there's a pan of the camera going across every player as the national anthem is going for every team. And for them to know that they were going to be on camera with tens of millions of people watching around the world and not sing along with their own national anthem as a protest in solidarity with the protesters, um... I thought that was incredibly brave. I agree, but we kicked their ass. <laughs> <laughs>
0: then, yeah, yeah we didn't weird. really. They actually could have tied that game on several occasions at the end, and that was incredibly scary. But um, I just squeaked through. The I would first, say.
1: the the first half, we looked like a team who deserved to win that game. We outplayed mm-hmm. them. The second half. I don't know what it is with
0: our team in second halves, but... Really... I mean, we should have been up 2 3 nil, right? Like, you can't... Any doesn't matter how much you're dominating a game, if you don't go up by more than one goal, you're going to be at risk of tying yeah. the game at the end. So it's just, again, bad, you know, bad finishing. And the Netherlands had, like, three chances today, and they scored all three goals. That has not happened one time for the U.S. in this tournament. So it's... Uh,
1: I don't... It's not a, just it's a problem. Tournament. Like, are we... Is this team in other tournaments? Have we shown that we can be capable of dominating other teams?
0: Not this team. No. Yeah. The problem is that we're playing. I mean, let's so let's finish this and we can get to the Netherlands game and we can talk about that specifically. But so in uh,
1: in the Iran game, Pulisic scores towards the end of the first half, right? Maybe thirty eighth minute. Yeah, um, it seems not right. And you're in the to do it. <laughs> yeah, so there was a there was a header from uh, one of our uh, defending mid- midfielders.
0: Dest is he a? Uh, he's a he's not he's a defender, outside defender, but you know, bomb De- defender. Okay, he's a much better uh, offensive so... defender than he is a defensive defender, as shown by the game today. But yeah, yeah, interesting.
1: So uh, he headed a ball into the box, and then uh, Pulisic was there, really close to the goalie, and um, you know, outside. <clears throat>
0: It was a great ball from McKinney.
1: Good header across. It was a good goal. Kind of like kicked it, bodied it into the goal, you know, and then basically got a a cleat to the nutsack from the goalie and uh, was um, out for the rest of the game. Yep. But he came back. So he's good. And uh, yeah, we hope that there will be uh, Christian Pulisic Jr. someday. Um, but that is to be determined.
0: There were more yeah. than one ball on the pitch. Let's just say that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank God. So we win the Iran game. We're running on a high. We've proven that we're not failures for this World Cup. I mean, that's pretty much like if, you,
0: if you're judging the World Cup as pass-fail, we passed because we made it out of the group. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: So after the group stage, we get into the round of 16 – um, which obviously means there's only 16 teams left. So, and we're actually you have, you have to round six, it. Sixteen so in the world, it's right? It's actually
0: 20. You have to round it. That's why it, that's why it's called that. So it's it's 20 teams. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm so, glad and, you at least laughed because I was like, if he doesn't get it, it's gonna bomb really bad. Right? <laughs>
1: and so we're actually ranked number 16th in the world, right?
0: about right we're somewhere between 16 and 18 16 or 18 i can't remember yeah i mean i think i think we're 16 so That's so
1: we're example. so to get in the round 16th again it's arguable whether it's an accomplishment or whether that that should be the floor
0: it was, be the it's the floor. floor agreed agreed i yeah. mean everything below that is like utter failure
1: if you don't get out of the group so yeah. so um and then we draw netherlands and Netherlands is ranked eighth in the world. Uh, they're, they're, I feel like perennially a powerhouse. You know, they're, they're uh, I wouldn't say they're World Cup favorites, but they're in the mix, right? World Cup to World Cup.
0: They've never won a World Cup, but they, I mean, this team, I would say they're one World Cup past their prime. I mean, they made it to the mm-hmm. finals um, a few years ago. Where they lost mm-hmm. to, to Germany. They're always pretty good. This team is not necessarily seen as a contender, but, I mean, you make it to the round of the Elite Eight, now they, you know, anything can happen, especially when they have such a stout defense and and very good coaching. So, you know, you never know.
1: So there was a lot that was made of uh, Cody Gapko. He scored three goals in the group stage. He seems like an elite striker. Is that fair to say?
0: I wouldn't say he's elite, but he's, you know, he's sort of a – talent breaking out party as a like a world talent i would say he wasn't necessarily seen pre-tournament as like a favorite for golden boot or anything
1: okay yeah. um but definitely a threat that we were paying attention to so he's been so good uh and turns out i don't know if Burhalter and uh you know the uh experts who are consulting him realize this, but there are other players on the, the
0: Netherlands yeah. who can score. Other players who play for Barcelona and very, very good teams who should not be seen as surprises to anyone, but yes. Uh,
1: so um, in the second minute of the game, we get an incredible opportunity. That's where the kind whole game changes. Nowhere.
0: Who knows? If some alternative universe if that goes in. Who knows what the game looks like? Yeah.
1: Uh, Pulisic has a direct shot on goal. I don't think he shot the bad. You know, it was, it was a no, it was it was shot a on goal. I mean, was, you never know. Yeah. Pulisic um, is not it, an
0: amazing finisher. He never really... It's not really his strong suit. He's very quick twitch. He gets into good positions. He's very creative, but he's not a striker. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I, I feel like from watching this World Cup, I feel like he had a really good World Cup.
0: He did. He didn't... He didn't... Uh, I mean, he's... He was, in all the commercials and seen as the most important player. And I think he, you know, scored that goal to put us through and then was our biggest threat today, probably again. So, yeah, I mean, it's not – it wasn't on him for sure. It's a tough one. Well, it would have been nice he if had he had two that. that. Like, so, so. I think Donovan and Dempsey put that in. But, uh, you know, right. he's a different player and he's, he's still young. But he, he played well in the whole tournament and, and today. Uh, Plus so he's playing, the, like, as we said, with like a ripped – I don't know what they called it, but it was like, you know – his private parts were not 100%. Yeah.
1: True. Um, and so that uh, shot gets blocked. And then uh, in the 10th minute, Netherlands scores off just like a, a banger of a shot. Um, I don't know. I hadn't seen this before in this USA team where they just, I, I think they were just gassed, right? The midfield is the strength of this usa team and it seems like all of these games have been um played out in in the midfield and so for our midfielders to like not cover very obvious um you know runners they call it, in soccer right they called following your runner we did not do that today
0: i mean so this is the the main my main critique of the the coaching today is. So the way Brewholter likes to play, he likes to play as if, you know, we're, we're England, basically. Like, we are the more talented side. We're going to take it to the other side, which I, I think people find appealing because people like to think, oh, you know, we're the United States. We shouldn't be sitting back and, you know, letting the other team take it to us. It's like an appealing strategy when you think about it like that. But, the, I mean, the <laughs> point of fact is we weren't the more talented side. The other team had very, very quick strikers, Uh, and a stout defense to sort of sit back and counterattack into the spaces behind our midfield exactly like they did. Um, And I just don't really understand why Berhalter set us up that way. And then, I mean, once you go behind, then you kind of have to push out. But it's a bold gamble that did not pay off at all. Um, And he just left us so exposed that you can only put so many players into the box – and have Tyler Adams try to guard all of them. And it's just, it's not going to work every time. Um, and he, he's wide open. It's not like it was, a I mean, it was a good shot, but he was, you would expect a striker for Barcelona, as Depay is, to finish that, you know, six out of 10 times, which is just way too high of a chance to be giving up to a team like the Dutch. So I think
1: that's why I wasn't, like, infuriated after, or just, like, really saddened or devastated by today's game, is because uh the three goals were they weren't even close you know like they were all just wide open unmanned goals that these guys easily put in
0: yeah I mean that's the thing is you could say we gave up three goals and Matt Turner actually had a really good game our keeper which is like never good Like yeah, he had no seriously. chance on any of the three goals, and he actually made like an amazing double save there towards the end to keep it alive. Yeah, I don't, I don't,
1: I don't think there's any goalkeeper in the world who blocks any of those three goals.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. Either. I'm trying to remember the second one. Yeah, I, I, I doubt it. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh,
1: so it just, I don't know. It was, it was weird how much they mirrored each other too, because Adams was, I don't know if he was tired or just late or didn't see it or what, but he didn't. You know, Mark um, Memphis, who scored that first one and was kind of just trotting back and then is watching this guy score right in front of him. Um, and then, similarly, for the second one, you see Dest just like not hustle back and cover that guy in the box and then you puts in. And then, lastly, you see uh, Robinson kind of either lose track or forget, or I don't know, the guy right behind him who is completely open and put to them. So, I don't know, man. That was hard to watch.
0: It's something you kind of see a lot in international soccer because it's all about positioning. The thing is, if you're playing the way we are playing, like I was saying, like you push forward, you need to have even better positioning than usual, right? Because you can't – like the Dutch, they sat back and played a very yeah. like confined defense. You can have one person beside position every once in a while, and it's okay because there's three other people within – you know, five yards of that person that can kind of fill in for you. If you push everyone forward and one person is out of place, that's a fifteen-yard gap that is now in your <laughs> defense. And yeah. that happens three times, and the Dutch score three goals. So it's. Uh, it yeah, you also can't, seemed you can't like leave that much space against a team as clinical as that.
1: It also seemed like Berhalter's strategy was contingent on the USA, like running these, this Nether team, Netherland team ragged. Is that fair to say? In the sense that we had to have so much energy for the entire 90 minutes to be able to execute the strategy that Veralter was trying to execute.
0: Well, that's the thing is you, if you're pushing forward, you're sort of gambling that you have the better fitness, right? Because the Dutch team is actually not moving that much because they're just sitting in their own half. So they yeah. don't have to cover the full field. Whereas anytime we turn it over, they're on a break. We have to sprint back. So I yeah, don't know they if were... Berhalter just thought that we were more fit than them or we weren't tired, but it was quite clear that we were gassed even in the first half.
1: They were w- seemingly way more rested, way more poised. Like we would have the ball in the box and another team would be like, okay, like, yeah, do something. They just like were never panicked, I feel like. Maybe, yeah. maybe may arguably, except for the, the Pulisic shot in minute two. But aside from that, there wasn't really any.
0: Um... I mean, they probably looked at our striker list and they were like, oh, so we can just let them shoot. <laughs> 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 and then, and then the one goal that we got, I'm not sure
1: if our forward realized it touched him or that he scored. Maybe he it's knows unclear. now. <laughs> Maybe someone texted them after the game be like, oh, by the way, Haji, uh, you scored today. Be like, yeah, what? it just
0: sort of a freak. I mean, that's the thing is if you're going to try to score on crosses against a team that's bigger, you kind of just have to smack it in as hard as you can and hope, like, something like that happens. Um, but, you know, it was lucky. Certainly of the four goals that were scored today, it was the luckiest one, which is never good. And yeah, the
1: sloppiest one by far. Yeah. My God. I will say Tim I had an amazing – Shot uh, today, he just—I don't know—he he, he bowled it straight in, and it wasn't straight at the keeper. You know, it was—it was a—it was, was a difficult save, and that was just an excellent shot. But
0: I mean, USK is anyone who can put an actual shot on target. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ferrera looks um, totally lost out there. Kenny had a pretty bad game too. He looked really tired. I mean, he came into the tournament not full fitness, and he has looked it, which is unfortunate because he's usually. Uh, more of an energizer bunny for us, but
1: um, I feel like tired. he played
0: well in group play. He his offense was incredibly sloppy. He turned it over mm-hmm. so many times where he didn't really need to, even t- today as well, which is sort of unfortunate. But that is uh, yeah. Kind of now he didn't play good. Yeah.
1: yeah, today. Um, yeah, there was a lot of controversy around uh, Gio Reyna not playing hardly at all in the in the mm-hmm. group stage, and coming in, he was. At least thought to be one of our best players, right? Is he a he's a mid as well?
0: Yeah, and he plays for Brucey Dorman, which is probably the second best team of any team US players play for behind Chelsea. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he's very I'm talented. Sure he's always heard. But he's but very talented. I think they
1: brought him into for yeah. the second half to the Yeah,
0: moment. I thought he played decent. I mean it's hard to he only have a half when we're behind, so we have to press but I mean, he he was one of our more creative players. I don't think there was anything there for Berhalter to be like, look, that's why I didn't play him. Uh, What are you going to do? Yeah,
1: it's it's disappointing, I think, to see. With all the resources that the U.S. has, I don't know what the budget of the U.S. men's national team is, but it seems like we could pay our way into an elite coach. I'm not sure why we have this problem.
0: I mean, That's this is more time. of a reaction to the Klinsman hire, which was the opposite, right? We did exactly that. We gave sort of carte blanche to a world really renowned coach and it ended very, very badly. <laughs> and so they were like, you know what? Let's go back to a kind of stodgy establishment guy here with, with Berhalter. Um, and I would imagine he keeps his job until 2026 now because he made it out of the group and it's hard to fire people who make it out of the group. But we'll see. I think that that's I think that so in shifting to
1: reflecting on this World Cup as a whole and the future of you know, USA soccer and um, international scene um, I feel like there's this sense that we need to shift away from thinking of ourselves as this small plucky underdog team and start thinking of ourselves and acting like we are a force to be reckoned with and it feels like to me sticking with Burhalter for another world cup is in keeping with this small-minded american mentality that we've
0: always had i don't know so the thing is Burhalter he knows how to coach one style which is the style we saw today which is like if you have the better players and you want to take it to the other team and you can set up as a very possession happy uh, offensive minded squad then you can do well I, I the thing is I like the Dutch today I mean if if you were the Dutch coach you come in you probably have more talent you definitely have more experience you have the the stronger defense and probably the more clinical strikers definitely the more clinical strikers but he didn't just press forward and say okay we're better so I'm going to take it to the other team he thought strategically and said okay The U.S. is really slow at the back. If we just let them have some possession, we can break and score. And that's exactly what happened. I think we think that it's sort of a a sign of weakness to play more defensive-minded football, but that's what the best teams in the world do. And that's how teams with the level of talent that the U.S. has for this tournament have won big tournaments in the past. It's not by saying, you know, they went out and outplayed, uh, you know, spain by passing around them it's no they sat deep and then they countered when spain made a mistake and i don't think that's a negative that's just how you play soccer it's the strategy and that's how you win games and so yeah i i mean it could be because we had the second youngest team in the world cup maybe by the time it comes around if everyone progresses the way we want them to maybe we will have you know one of the top four or five most talented teams in the World Cup in 2026. That's at least the dream. And so maybe this style will be great and he will be a decent coach for it. But if if we don't have a striker by then and we don't have – I mean, Tim Ream won't be around. A lot of these older defenders won't be around. If we don't have the defensive clout to fill in and he sticks with this exact same style of play, we're going to be in trouble again. So it's in that sense, the lack of flexibility is what really frustrates me.
1: Yeah. um, I don't know. It made me think of Phil Jackson and the triangle, you know, and it's like, if uh, you're Phil Jackson and you are coaching the Lakers and you have Kobe and Shaq and you have this system and you're kind of like regarded as one of the greatest coaches ever, and you have the talent to match it. Maybe you can be a one system guy and it can really work. But from how you're describing this approach, the system is kind of contingent on us being the more talented team. And it just doesn't seem like that's a good bet for 2026 when you have Spain, Germany, Argentina, Brazil, Netherlands, like constantly being Is France really good and really talented.
0: It's a bad bet for international football. If you're a club football coach like Burhalter was before this, you can do that because you can go get the players that you want to play your style, right? If you're a national team coach, you're limited in the, there's just players that play for your nation and you have to play against the players that play for every other nation. So if you don't have a striker like the U S didn't for this world cup, then you can't just stick to the same plan as if you have Harry Kane. That's just not how it works. And so you can luck into it and be like, Oh, I actually ended up having puzzle pieces to fill in for this system that I prefer. But if you don't, shit out luck yeah i think i uh, i also just
1: uh, heard some speculation you know listen i've been listening to the men and blazers uh, guys a ton the last couple weeks a rival pod i shouldn't be mentioning them on uh, on this <laughs> podcast but essentially the exact
0: though. same levels of footballing inside so no need to go there and levels yeah. of wit so <laughs> <laughs>
1: So um, I don't know. They were just they were just talking about the guys that Berhalter left off this the 26 man squad that he brought to this World Cup. In you know, in looking at this this striker vacuum, and was like, I don't know if the guys we left at home really should have been left at home when our alternatives were like Haji Wright, who we saw today, just. Make some terrible touches and just doesn't seem to have played very well in this World Cup. And then Jesus Ferreira, who was just non existent in the first half of this game, um, whoever they left at home has to be better than those two guys on, in forwards.
0: I mean, it was to me, we just should have not played with the forward. We should have done basically what the Dutch were doing play a false nine our speed and our creativity to counter on the break. But, I mean, it's easy for me to say now because we're out, but that would have – at the very least, the fact that we've tried that and we've been looking for a striker for two, three years is what I think is the most damning. But, again, he's going to live to fight another day. He made it through. We didn't get crushed. We had it to one there at the end. There was a chance, but I, I was not impressed. Neither was <laughs> – he went out of his way <laughs> to criticize US coaching decisions after the game, which is never a good sign.
1: Well, it's it's funny because the Men and Blazers guys were pointing out how Van Gaal, is that uh, the Netherlands yeah, coach yeah. name? Yeah,
0: Louis Van Gaal, yeah.
1: They were pointing out how Louis Van Gaal, before the USA Netherlands game and the press conference, was really praiseworthy of Burhalter and his decision making, was really praiseworthy of the tenacity and the attacking nature of the USA. And it was just being like, oh man, he was—he played us. <laughs> he wanted us to attack. He was setting a trap for us to attack and play this high intensity, you know, forward pushing game. And then we just played right into their hands, you know. I thought that was a fascinating
0: well, That's why like, it was <laughs> so strange. Like, we, England, should have been how we played in this game, right? We didn't need yeah. to win in regular time. We wanted to, we should have wanted to take it to the end and use our strikers to counter i just don't know why he viewed the threat of the netherlands as so different to the threat of england i don't know if he thought that england was like way more talented than the netherlands which maybe is true but they certainly aren't (laughs) and they certainly aren't less talented than the united states so it's just an odd odd thing i mean we're speaking here here the moment, unfortunately because i think against argentina who would have been our next opponent we would have I mean, who knows if we came with the same strategy, we would have lost. But if we could have sat in like Australia did today, Australia is a much, much weaker, but they had much better strategy and they took and they had a chance in the 90s. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, how about
1: uh, predictions? Who's going to win this World Cup? Yeah, um,
0: I'm going to go with, I would say Brazil, but they they have a bunch of injuries. And I think I'm going to go with either Spain or Argentina. has It looked great, but they also have a pretty easy bracket. I think they can beat that Dutch team we saw today. Um, and then they're in the fourth, so anything can happen. So I think just based on the fact that they're already through, just kind of cheating, but I think based on the brackets, the way they fell around, I think Argentina plays Brazil in the semis. Anything can happen. Yeah, we'll see. England, England is also very good. I think that England France game, if both of them make it through the next round, will be quite uh, quite the game. So we'll have to see what happens. How about you? Who do you think?
1: Um, I'm taking Brazil.
0: Right, right on. Is that uh... uh,
1: it's not scientific.
0: It's because you have a fancy for the case or unrelated.
1: Well, that's a given. But um, (laughs) no, it just seems like uh, I don't know. I'm speaking out of my arse here because I haven't watched enough of the other teams. But I feel like Argentina really has not been playing at an elite level in that. I don't, I just, I don't know. It seems like Argentina is, it plays down to their opponents. And so when they uh, come across an opponent that is their match that they're going to lose England, yeah, I don't know. They seem strong in the group stage. I'm not, I don't know. I've just never bet on England. They're, I feel like they're always thinking that they're uh, the favorites to win the World Cup, and always, um, you know, crap out at an early early stage for them. Again, yeah. they're a much superior team to us. And you know, so their the game. I don't know if this pod,
0: Yeah, I don't know if this podcast will come out before the game. It probably won't come out before the game tomorrow. Uh, but they play Senegal. That's a tough game. If they had Saudi Mane, I would be saying that's a dark horse upset. I think England will mm-hmm. win, but I don't expect them to win by more than one goal. I think. Mm. England – I mean, Senegal will sit back, and they've got a very good keeper. They've got very good defenders. That'll be a tough game. Um, Mm. So that's one to watch tomorrow. I think that the earlier game, um, I think, is Poland versus – who's Poland playing tomorrow? What's the the 7 o'clock game? I I think Poland will lose that game pretty easily because they're really not great in the group stage. But um, that England-Senegal game tomorrow should be interesting. It
1: just seems like Brazil – has a lot of
0: depth, is it, or There's, they could feel the, the joke is always that they could feel the second team, and it's not wrong. Like but the players they left at home that aren't even on their bench, like would be like would have a good chance of making a through knockout out. They have incredible but, of talent. Neymar's hurt. Neymar's hurt. I don't really know how badly he's hurt. That does hurt them. He's, I mean, he even amongst Brazil provides like a really specific type of threat. Um, I think they'd probably beat Argentina. But you never know. Messi looks pretty good today, and if you have Messi near his best, anything can happen.
1: True. Um, Spain, I don't know. When I watched that Spain Germany game, I just wasn't that impressed with uh, that Spanish performance. They are very, like, shockingly comfortable, uh, not taking long goal kicks and just passing under pressure from the goalkeeper to like one of the defenders outside and. I guess that's just part of their system, and they're cool under fire. But man, I was constantly blown away. by like, oh yeah, whoa, okay, he's not gonna kick it away. He's just gonna make this risky pass to his defender, even though the keeper's under pressure,
0: huh? I mean, that's the Spanish style. That's the the Barcelona yeah. way.
1: Yeah. Well, so they're. Um, I mean, it's when it works, it's like incredible to watch because there's so so much passing and so much. Um, I don't know control. But um, it just seems like that could be exploited as well.
0: For sure. I mean, any that's the thing is there's not really a favorite. I would say Brazil, if they hadn't had their injuries, would, would have been a little bit – with the injuries, I think I could see several of these teams coming through, which is why it's such a so, bummer that the U.S. lost because this was an open World Cup. Here, that I'm like, the U.S. definitely wouldn't be able to beat that team. Um mm-hmm which is why it's frustrating. I mean, there are past World Cups where it's like, yeah, we want to go far, but there are teams where I would have given us a very low chance. I mean, I think this Dutch team has a chance because there aren't that many teams who have the talent that the Dutch have. And so anybody, I wouldn't be that surprised if several of the teams left, you know, ended up in the, in the final four or over the final. Um, so yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, Portugal also looked pretty good. Uh, I think if they sit Ronaldo, they'll look even better, but they're kind of stuck with that, I think just like a legacy. I don't know if you're if the, uh, to piss off Ronaldo, but uh, we'll see if, if he continues to kind of need to, to make a change.
1: So you're saying they should bench Ronaldo because he's uh, just way past his prime and not yeah. what being a factor outside of
0: set pieces. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, that they play they need some more movement and they just need somebody in there who's can build up in the more Spanish he's not providing that right now I mean he's still I mean I think he would be a sub to bring in if you need somebody who can jump insanely high and can finish on corners and things but um I think when he's been out they've looked their best and they've looked very good so who knows I think they would play if both of them went through again which would be uh, a matchup that we saw in the build up to the World Cup a couple times, and I think it was pretty much split. So that could that could go either way, but uh, yeah, no, we'll see. I mean, it would be great. Spain. I would love sort of a dark horse team to make it through. I think Morocco. That they drew Spain, um, that Spain ended up getting second in the group. I felt bad for Morocco because they they you know they won the group and then, Japan's victory. They ended up having to play Spain, which is a bummer because I actually think that Morocco team is incredibly undervalued. They're very talented. Um, so who knows?
1: Well, you heard it here first. I'm picking Brazil. Who are you picking again? I'm taking
0: uh, I'm taking Spain.
1: You're taking Spain. Okay. Um. Shoot. Do we even have any listeners who like soccer? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's just a cool. Well, you me. mean obviously after this they will. If, even if they hated it before, right. they'll hear this level of insight and now they're super fans. So. Well, I Yams is a fan. Here's... I think Carson listens. Sometimes he's been following the World Cup pretty well. I don't know if Koyo sends around. I'll, I'll put out some feelers, but uh... here's a, uh, and we can my... edit this and make it so that our finals predictions are exactly right, right later on, especially if nobody right. listens. Yes, of course.
1: <laughs> um, I would implore our listeners to at least check out the five-minute uh, highlights of the USA games. Um, those are fun to watch and you can just get a sense of the intensity of uh you know the world cup atmosphere and it's it's pretty um you know you might get hooked
0: no doubt every four years there's only i think what is there like my games and then it's over so enjoy it while you can